on everybody hotel family welcome to another episode of my unapologetic perspective here on the mighty motivation network this is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from my experience black history and our knowledge as african-americans in the words of maya angelou do your best until you know better and when you know better do better so it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you i am your host martray baker stevens and to the right of me is my co-host shaquan battle yo and to the right of him is my other co-host jerome battle what's happening uh we bike that's what that's what's happening we back we back before we get started i want to say man great job at um educating people through black history month appreciate it and specifically with uh black history right here in this area which i think is very 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 important but more importantly, I think it's motivating because it's things that people can associate with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the area, it's the people, it's the buildings that they see that they can associate with. And we go back to podcast number one or two where we talked about those images. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first go into a classroom when you're a young kid, those images help depict what America is. Absolutely. It, it, it was a way to... to to personalize black history. You know, when we think of black history, we always think of the the people who did uh, enormous things like, mm-hmm. you know, your Martin Luther Kings, your Rosa Parks, you know, not to degrade those people, but there's so much more than black to black history. That's right. um, number one, I remember when we was on the podcast with Jordan Bell and he, he talked about, you know, the, the most important history you can learn is right where you live. That's right. And that's what we, that's what I want to try to do on black history is begin to personify black history to that's the right. people living in this area. Um, there was places you may have drove by millions of times and not know the significance of the area uh, place, the parks that you play in, you may not know the significance of that area and that's one of the things that we want to do on black history was really personify and create that ancestry that's right um because that's one of the another key points about black history is much more just about the people who did enormous things you know there's some of your family members who walked to school seven miles up and seven miles <coughs> back that opened up doors for education today for you to be able to get on school buses for you to be able to be in classes with different people of different races right. um of uh, of your same age and all of those different type of things so it it's gratifying when you're when you're looking at these pictures and you say okay that might have been my family member or was my family member um and that opened up the door for me i ain't gonna gonna say open up the door they i like to say the lock picked the door or they kicked the lock picked the door you know what i mean and even if it wasn't a relative what they went through allowed us right. to walk through that same door eventually. Absolutely. So they, they laid the groundwork for us. And also speaking of ancestry, um want to say early happy birthday to my dad. Absolutely. Um, happy birthday. Um, tomorrow is his birthday. So, you know, and it's, it's amazing because I wonder sometimes if he sits back and he looks at the fruits of his labor, mm-hmm. you know, so we can always look back. Yeah. Sometimes you want to look forward and you right. look at the fruits of your labor, the people that benefited from all the things that you went through. How gratifying is that for him right. to sit back and see the things that he went through and to see the offsprings that happened because of that. I think it's awesome. So happy birthday, Pops. Yeah, he has a, he has a lot to celebrate. I mean, his legacy continues on. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and it's a, a tremendous legacy. Even when I look at my niece, my nephews, um, Shatises, uh, Lachey's, Cameron's kids, like, look at what he's got continued on. Absolutely. You know, it, it's amazing. And uh, uh, also, just what you did in the schools, too. Um, absolutely. You know, we talk about on this podcast is educating yourself and educating other people. And you went to the schools and 
educated kids and you know they took notes they sent you cards um all of those things and you know much of what we're talking about today was a small town boy that sparked the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. and you know i see that in you absolutely uh shout out to uh jefferson forest high school where they had um they had students put together a black history Mm -hmm. um um kind of seminar and I, you know, I was requested to, to be interviewed and interviewed by these, uh, these two young African-American, uh, females and began to ask me questions about black history and about myself. And, um, and I admire them, you know, to be able to take part of something so early, like we always talk about the youth impact on this podcast. And that's something that they're doing at an early age. I didn't do that at, at as a teenager, you know, I wish I had the, the, the motivation. I wish I had the pride and I wish I had the, um, the strength to be able to do that, the fearlessness to do that, because they said they saw the gap in their own school with people not understanding black history. They seen the gap of racism and they said, okay, this is something we want to put together to be able to bring information to the people and doing that at age 16 and 17, uh, just shows you the things that we talk about in this podcast with the youth's impact is still happening today. And we can't hold those people back. And thank you to Bedford elementary, um, teacher Miss Stevens and, and faculty and staff will allow me to come in to speak about local black history um, to kids at an early age. And, and I don't expect those kids in elementary school to understand everything that I said, but it did plant a seed mm-hmm. to where they pass some of these places. They remember some of these names. They remember some of the pictures that were shown. And it, it, and then over the years, they'll be able to go back and look at that and say, Oh, wow, that's what he, that's what he taught me. And, and that's not something that we was, um, privy to have you know i'm just finding out this a lot of this information at age 31 they got it at age 11 right so you know what i mean so that that was the importance of that but again this this podcast is a continuum of black history month that's one of the reasons why we didn't record during february we didn't want to interfere with those local black history posts that i was doing because i anybody to understand algorithms you don't want to really post twice a day from a social media page Mm -hmm. especially on instagram and facebook um so just allowing that time to just celebrate those local people um celebrate those local locations local events to be able to to feed on that without diving into um, our podcast. So we kind of set aside ourselves to glorify mm-hmm. the people that came before us. Um, and that's me. But this podcast, again, is a continuum. So a lot of people stop celebrating black history after February. That's right. And that's what this podcast is for, because we're in the March and we're going to continue to celebrate um, today. And, and for all those people that that think that there's so much more, there's other people. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And And if you know of those people, post it. Yeah. You don't have to wait for somebody else to post it. You can do the same thing. Absolutely. That's right. Uh, you know, education doesn't stop. K through 12 education, it continues on um, in, their, in your everyday life. So we've been on a series kind of, you know, talking about civil rights cases. You know, we talked about Emmett Till. We talked about Fred Hampton. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to go to back to the civil rights movement and talk about Jimmy Lee Jackson, who Jimmy was uh, uh, <laughs> ignited more of, what well essentially was like the one of the last straws before the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Um, but his his death sparked Selma. But we're gonna talk a little bit about the death of Jimmy G, Jimmy Lee Jackson 
and the significance of it and how it still is the continuum today. Um, and really talk about how a lot of these deaths, well, whenever you look at black history, death sparked a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of bad to say that we have to die in order to get change. But this is one of those things. 2022, it still happens the same way. Right. Right. Uh, so Jimmy Lee Jackson was born in Marion, which is um, a small town outside of, of Selma. Um, he served in the Vietnam War, which I believe is, is is interesting because there's so many people who don't understand that black people fought in every war <laughs> in the in the New United States. So when you say that black people don't respect uh, our troops, that we don't respect our country then that would be disrespect towards our ancestors, Absolutely. right? That would be disrespect towards the people that we glorify during Black History Month because every last one of them fought, you know, whether you hate the people who don't stand for the flag or sing the national anthem or, as Frederick Douglass would say, criticize the country that they live in, that does not make them un-American right. because we have people who served and fought for for our country as well. So that that's kind of one side. And when you don't understand the perspective of African and Americans, um, but he never got the vote. So again, that goes back that you fought in the Vietnam war and you come back and you still are not able to cash your vote. He actually registered the vote um, around five times, but not, his mom and his, and his grandfather, and his grandfather, but he was not ever, ever actually able to cast his, uh, his vote. But what ended up happening was, uh, James Orange was arrested. Uh, Jack Daddy. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> That's um, what they called him. He Jack was a Daddy. member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He was arrested for um, disturb- picketing. picketing and yeah, they trying called to, it civil, civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. Yeah. Uh, him and some students trying to register people to vote, those type of things. Um, but there was a rumor that they was going to try to lynch him. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening was a lot of people in, in Marion decided that they were going to do a peaceful protest and march towards the jail to try to get him free. Um, so they, they met inside of a, a church and began to um, assemble in two lines to be able to go protest in this jail. Well, of course, law enforcement got the word about this protest that was going to go on and they cut off all of the streetlights outside of the church. And when they marched out, the the sheriff or the state trooper, the state trooper um, so authorized everybody that they either go back inside the church or go home because it was going to be an unlawful assembly. Um, and again, we'll talk about that in a little bit on on the unlawful uh, assembly of people. But when they when they decided not to go back to the church or disperse, the troopers went into the crowd and began to physically try to remove people from from that from that line. And Jimmy Lee Jackson's either mother or grandfather was hit during the time. So they ended up going into a a cafe, uh, a neighboring cafe called Max Cafe. And when they go into Max Cafe, there's a little different things that happen inside that cafe that uh, will account the recounts of, of what okay. happened. Right. Let, let, let's just start with the officer's account. Uh, let's just start there. Right. Uh, they said that they went into the cafe. The officers came into the cafe and told the people who ran into the cafe that they need to go home. That's right. And then upon entering the cafe, they felt 
they said that they were met with violence. They began to hit people with clubs. And one of the officers, the main officer that you'll see what we get to, the main officer, uh, James Fowler, claimed that he was hit with a, a Coke bottle and then hit with a Coke bottle that Jimmy Lee grabbed his gun out of his holster. So they're struggling over the gun. And while he's, they're struggling over the gun, uh, the gun accidentally goes off and hits Jimmy Lee. Another officer that entered in after, after um, the, the James Fowler's account said that there was a fight going on and the officer pushed Jimmy Lee back. And when he pushed Jimmy Lee back, he got his gun and then fired one time. The accounts from inside the cafe said there was no bottles thrown. Right. So that account was, was uh, wrong by the officers. They account that there was no struggle for a gun. They, they count that Jimmy Lee never grabbed anybody's gun, never uh, was in a struggle with the gun. Jimmy Lee's account was he was having a Coke inside of the the um, the cafe. For the people who don't understand, this is in the 60s, the Coke bottles are glass. That's right. right? So he's having a Coke, and then when the officers come in, they're hitting people with clubs. His mother gets hit with the club over the top of her head. He goes to try to defend her, and while he tries to defend her, he's pushed by other officers. Somebody unholsters their gun. Well, James unholsters his gun and shoots him. And after he's shot, the other officer pushes him out the cafe, and they chase him down the street, continuing to beat him with clubs while he's, while he's shot. Um, Jimmy Lee dies. Um, he's hospitalized. He's hospitalized, and, he, and then he dies um, in the hospital from uh, an <clears throat> infection, I believe it was. Um <laughs> the funny thing about this is the the officer who fired the weapon continued on with his duties um while Jimmy Lee was served um an arrest warrant while he was at the hospital just going through those accounts thoughts y'all thoughts just on that little bit of information <laughs> I, I I'm with you is it, it amazed me and even we just did it we 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 gave the officers account first, right? You know, and, and obviously that's the process, right? That yeah. was the process that they went through, and 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 this, um, a lot of the information that ended up getting the results that we'll get to a little little bit later, even though those results weren't great, there was there was some results that they gave some justice to to the case later mm -hmm. on, is that the the doctor and the nurse gave up the real information mm -hmm. is that he had gunpowder uh burns on his body mm -hmm. on his torso which means the gun was up close right and the other accounts is from from jimmy lee was when he went to defend his mother the officers just put the gun right in his gut and pulled the trigger right you know um which if you watch any footage or any old movies from the 60s that's usually how it happened. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't marksmen, so these people weren't shooting from 30, right. 40 feet. Yeah. Right? That just didn't happen that way back then. Um, they would get up up close and personal. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. A lot of it is the one word that we keep not mentioning on this is hatred. Mm -hmm. The hatred of the black man. The hatred of black people in America was that strong that that's what would happen. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that's what happened. Um 
and and just to go go back the 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 march was the first of three more ended up being three marches of what we know today is what happened in Selma. Right. And this was the first one. Right. Um, they organized another one shortly after this. Which, which was the Bloody Sunday. Which was the Bloody Sunday. Right. Um, and then you had a third one that came a week later. Yeah. Um, which obviously, at that point, the federal marshals were there. Everybody was there to see them through the whole process. That, that's key. We're going to talk about that that's a little right. bit when you talk about state and federal. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So because, again, this puts in a line, perfect alignment with what Malcolm X talked about in mm -hmm. terms of what the civil rights movement should have been versus what it actually was. Right. And again, no disrespect to Martin Luther King. We always talk about the great things that he did and the visionary that he was. But after this, after this incident in 1965, there's a lot of things about Martin Luther King that started changing as well. Yeah. This was this was part of that first process of the way of thinking for the civil rights movement where we focus on civil rights. So for me, this incident with Jimmy Lee Jackson is a multitude of beginnings for a lot of other things. Absolutely. Uh, one of the and nothing against you know, being white, but this is why I love black people because after being shot in the chest twice, close up, you then are still able to run and then you collapse at a bus stop. Mm -hmm. While still being beaten, you shot twice, you running away, still being beaten, but then for the funeral, the pallbearers carried this man four miles. You, I mean, you see it now, people, you carried out the church, carried to the hearse and they carried him four miles in the rain mm -hmm. to the east part of Marion where the black people were buried at. So, so we're, just, we're just setting the scene right now. We're going to get into some a few specifics on why this is important later. But one of the reasons um, you spoke about Malcolm X, but one of the reasons, well, let's just go back to the unlawful assembly for a second, right? That's right. So you you by constitutional right you have the right to protest that's right. right you have the right to assemble for a protest right what creates an un um an uh uh unlawful. unlawful assembly right most of the time it was if you think that somebody was going to disturb the peace or or create some type of violent action that was going to lead to something unlawful that's right well, they said that they thought that they was going to break them out of jail, right? That's what, that's what they thought. But we, we can look at history right. of the civil rights movement to understand that under the SNCC, <clears throat> under the free, under the core, whatever the case you may see in the South, there was no history that said that that was going to happen, mm. right? There's a history that says this is going to be a peaceful protest in March as they always done, right? One of the things, so you have the right to protest, mm. But people also have the right to counter protest. That's right. This is key in the South because the reason why Dr. King wanted to have peaceful protest is because once that peaceful protest is incited or provoked by counter protesters, mm -hmm. then if you don't hold your cool, it goes from a peaceful protest into what they call a riot. That's right. right. That is the that is the terminology of, of how they see things. So we can even look at today on things that started off peaceful, but whenever there's provoking from other protesters or law enforcement, it turns from a peaceful protest into a riot that 
I think a lot of people in America want to happen so you can say that's how they are. That's so right. a lot of people threw rocks at civil uh, protesters. They called them names to provoke them to say okay swing on me and this i can say you are aggressive this is how i can say you are violent so that's one of the reasons why dr king wanted to move like that in the south Uh, but again he understood later on in life that that was the approach that may that may work best but it may have been an approach that hurt the movement moving forward because now you don't have any because now you put so many people in danger and now anything that black people do, they they would say you should do it in a peaceful manner. You, you know, Martin Luther King was a visionary. And, and and obviously we've talked about this on a couple of podcasts is that he knew what we were actually protesting for. We already had. Yeah. What we didn't have was the right to practice it. Right. So it's like fighting to get into your home. Right. It's already yours. but You got to fight to get into it. They won't let you in it. Right. We already had the right to vote. We had the right to register. Now, keep in mind, a lot of this is 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 just the South. We're not talking about the North. Right. No, no, you're because up North, they were already registering and voting. Right. You're talking about four states in particular. Uh, absolutely. Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi is uh, the three of the states that you're mostly talking about. Absolutely. So, so you're not talking about a majority of the United States. You're just talking about the South. Mm-hmm. And what he was doing is he was trying to, and we talked about this before, get America to do the right thing. Right. Which is abide by your laws, the ones that you wrote. Right. Right. He was trying to hold them accountable for what they were saying they were doing. And they weren't doing and what you were fighting for outside of the country Absolutely. that we've died for. And the thing that we know about Martin Luther King is he understood it was going to happen. You know why? It didn't cost America anything. Yeah. It cost black America a lot. Right. It didn't cost white America. It didn't cost the government. It didn't cost the country of America anything. Okay. Right. But that was going to change after Jimmy Lee Jackson, mm-hmm. after the Civil Rights Act 1965, that was going to change. Right. But um, again, like we talked about on the last uh, podcast with Huey Newton, the COINTELPRO was still active during this time. So one of the accounts came from an FBI who was on a second story building somewhere watching all of this take place. That's right. You know, he talked about the streetlights being off. He talked about them coming out of the church um, in, in two lines. He talked about the attack on the, the protesters and then going into the cafe and then seeing Jimmy Lee run out. With with the gunshot wound and still being beaten at, um, as he's going, but we're gonna talk in a, we're gonna talk in a second. We just want to set the precedent uh, real quick about what happened that night. Um, of course, Jimmy Lee Jackson ended up dying. Of course, uh, Officer James Fowler continued on with his duties, and we're gonna talk about why that's why that's significant when we come back. Uh, we'll be right back. And we are back. Uh, go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation Network. Um, go to Facebook, type in my unapologetic perspective and follow all the latest updates and the latest episodes. Um, we're going to jump right back in. So what ended up happening is uh, James Fowler wasn't indicted or anything after those, after those charges. Not at the time. Not at the time. Not at the time. But what ended up happening was he did an interview 
think it was in 2000, 2007. Well, he was indicted in 2007. Right, yeah, okay. Did the interview was, I think, in 2005. Okay. Um, doing yeah, 2005. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing. <laughs> that, that, that's the key that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, in 2005, he does an interview. Um, he, uh, he's, he admits to shooting, um, Jimmy Lee. And he said, um, I don't know if I fired one time or three times, but I think it was three times, right? And even in the interview, he, he talked about some of his racist views, how he liked um, Nelson Mandela, but uh, Dr. King was a con artist and that he liked segregation and thought segregation was just done wrong. It could have been done better that, to make things better for both people. Right. Um, so he went around a lot of his racist views. He also thought that he wasn't going to be indicted because so much time had passed. Right. So he did the interview. Um, he ended up, he was indicted in 2007 and he was charged with uh, a misdemeanor manslaughter to where he was, um, <laughs> you can't make this, you stuff can't up. make that up. Yeah, that's 42 years later, right? That's yeah. 42 years later, man. Sentenced to six months, six months. And he was, he served five of those months uh, because, he, because he had health problems. Yeah. So he was released. So, so, he had so did Jimmy Lee Jackson. Right. <laughs> he had uh, health problems. Yeah. Right. Uh, but he, he was ended up charged. Dick, the key thing is, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to correlate this with something in a second, right? A year later, after he kills Jimmy Lee Jackson, he kills a guy by the name of Nathan Johnson. That's right. He pulls Nathan Johnson over for uh, suspicious of uh, drunk, driving. drunk driving. That's right. During the traffic stop, he books him, takes him to the, to the precinct, and at the precinct, another struggle occurs over his gun, and... Nathan Johnson, like is, Nathan Johnson is killed. Yeah. Right? So, again, we see that uh, correlation that happens a week a later. Week after. A week later um, in another jurisdiction. You no, know why? No remorse. You know why? The yeah. same thing, reason that it happens today. Yeah. There's no consequence. Right. It's okay. Right. Right? We're not going to do anything to you. Right. And so it continues to happen. You see it across the nation right now today. Why are police still killing unarmed black people? Mm -hmm. What's the consequence? There's no consequences. They'll give they'll they'll arrest one every once in a while and give them a few years in prison. That'll keep you quiet. Shut, shut you know? up. Yeah, shut you up. And it continues to happen. Uh, um, one of the key things I want to talk about real quick is something that happened about a hundred years earlier that that set the precedent um, for this to occur. Um, there was the Colfax massacre. That happened um, in Louisiana, and the Colfax massacre was during the Reconstruction period. There was a a, a a struggle for power in in the state. So the federal government was trying to give power to a lot of African Americans and to a lot of Republicans, and then the South was trying to get their power back as Democrats to be able to control African Americans again. Well, there was an election that was split between the Republicans and the Democrats. Well, the president at the time uh, was going to bring down the federal government to enforce that that Republican won and took over the the Louisiana area. So a black militia in fear of white supremacists were going to take over the state or the, the town, went into a courthouse to secure the secure, secure the secure, uh, courthouse to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, a group of white men created their own little segregationist group, whatever you want to call them, white supremacist group, and they went in and started firing, in which I think 94 of those um, militia people were killed and murdered. 
after they were murdered, three white people were, were also killed in the Colfax massacre. They actually have a monument outside of that courthouse that says in the Colfax massacre, three white men were killed, That's even right. though 94 black people were killed, protecting uh, the state's rights. <laughs> there was a... Uh, they took it to court. They ended up arresting a few of them, and then a few of them were tried. The federal government said the 14th Amendment which was an equal uh, clause and due process could not convict them because that was a state's issue. Right. It, it only required that they couldn't prove that they acted out of a racial intent. That's right. As, 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 as civilians, they couldn't act out of a racial intent. That was a state <laughs> issue. So the, the case was a uh, Crushank, uh, I think it was like us versus Crushank or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we know at the state level in the South, as you talked about, they're not going to convict their own kind. That's right. So that's why the federal government was so important. But the federal government, the U.S. Supreme Court said that they couldn't convict because that's a state issue. That's right. And those people ended up going free. So when you look at the, the precedent set that the federal government was having trouble interfering in states' rights with that 14th Amendment of they call the, the Enforcements Act of the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th Amendment. That's right. So that set the precedent of what we see today. Absolutely. How does that apply today? Because we still see those some of those same precedents today. So if the officer Fowler felt that his thing was in self-defense, you attack protesters, you go in with clubs, you're beating on people, you're beating up on the elderly and people trying to defend themselves. That's right. And by people defending themselves, you say you are in defense of people trying to defend themselves. <laughs> That's right. Which case reminds you of that? Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. So you approach Trayvon Martin, run, he beat the brakes off of you. In self-defense. Now you're in self-defense because you feel like you're in fear of your life for approaching somebody else. That's right. And now you can shoot and kill. Or you, you, uh, the more recent case, Rittenhouse. Kyle the, Rittenhouse. the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Same Absolutely. thing. You know, he claimed his was done in self-defense because he was defend, supposed to be <laughs> defending someone else, right? Right. You know, with a gun. Right. Right. So, yeah. So same when, thing. When we talk about those precedents, those are things that have been set. There's laws, especially in Florida and those places where you have stand your ground rules to protect people who feel they're in self-defense. So there is loopholes to say, all I got to do is get this person to attack me and I'm in self-defense to be able to kill some That's of these right. people. If, if you're white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Make those that are clear. some of the things. Yeah. If you're white. But just give me y'all thoughts on, on some of that. You go first. Nah, you. <laughs> <laughs> I think one you made a great great correlation yeah. with the the federal Absolutely. the federal guidelines versus the state guidelines because that's that that is part of the problem mm -hmm. and that's the problem that we've been seeing for 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 many many years. Actually, we can go to a case, uh, not recent because it's been some years now of the black kid that they found rolled up in the gym mat. Right. So. They've actually asked the federal government right. to start an investigation, mm -hmm. right? Because at the state level, they haven't been able to come up with anything, right? right? So that's usually what you will hear is that if the state won't do anything, because we won't say that they can't, but if they won't, won't do right. anything, then you have attorneys making pleas using social media to ask the federal government to step in. Mm -hmm. The biggest one is hate crime. That's right. You can, if it can be deemed as a hate crime, 
the federal government, government can, step, can in. step in. Right. Absolutely. That's why yeah. getting that bill passed was so important that it's been sitting on the last five presidents' desks. And we in- finally including just got Barack passed. Obama. Exactly. Including Barack right. Obama. Uh, when you think about, because you, you hear that they, they've just made lynching just now, yeah, just 20, now, 20, 20, which is part yeah. of that, which is a part of that federal guideline bill right. that we're talking about. That even President Obama didn't sign. Now, mm-hmm. I have no idea why he didn't sign it. I don't know. I right. don't know any any information, but he didn't sign it. And uh, it wasn't until recently that that Biden did sign the sign the bill. Right. You know. So, uh, you know, it's still what the other thing that amazes me. We're talking about 1965, right? Mm-hmm. Four really years know. before I was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, uh, some people may think I'm ancient, right? <laughs> but we're talking about four years before I was born. Right. We're not talking about a long time ago. Right. And I, I think that's the thing that people have to understand is we can talk about how far we think we came. Mm-hmm. We can talk about how far as an individual you may think you've come. But as as black Americans... We haven't came too far. We're mm-hmm. still, still there. Today. We're still there. Right. The, the other thing I want to make a I want to make a point about too is because this is specific to this. They Smokey Robinson was asked a question not too long ago pertaining to the civil rights movement and black history, uh, and, and and I like your answer too when the the girls from Jefferson Forest asked you what did black history mean to you. Well, when they talked to Smokey Robinson, Smokey Robinson said that he's not a fan of the term Afro American. He's more in favor of the term black American mm-hmm. and and which to me was amazing because that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan of the term Afro-American, but I do understand why we use it mm-hmm. because of ancestry. Mm-hmm. We want to keep that connection to Africa. Mm-hmm. So I get that. And I'm, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm just not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Right. What I'm, I am a fan of is black American because the work that blacks put in to build this country. Yeah. Okay. The things that blacks went through to be here so that we can all be here. The thing is that Smokey Robinson went all around the country, all around the world, never went to Africa. Mm-hmm. So he's getting ridiculed because he's never been to Africa. I ain't never been to Africa either. Right. Right. But where I have been is Louisiana. Right. Where I have been is Alabama. Mm-hmm. Where I have been is Tennessee. Where I have been is Georgia. Your favorite state. My favorite state. Yes. Right? So I know how these people view me. Right. Even though people like me put in the work for this country to exist. For those people that have those views, we have people vote. Mm-hmm. People like me. People who look like me vote so you can have the right to feel how you feel. Mm-hmm. But yet you don't want to give us credit. The other thing I want to mention is. I want people to put in perspective some of the things we're saying when we talk about the South, because this is important in elections, mm-hmm. the Electoral College. And you've, I've mentioned it before. I won't go into great detail about it, but people need to do research about the Electoral College and why it exists and why they are currently trying to do away with it is because if you have a predominantly white State control the election. You will never have a president that's going to look out for people like us. Mm-hmm. It will never happen. So I employ people. It's the reason DC is not a state. It, one of the reasons why DC is not a state because if they were, guess what they would be? But they, they would be a Democrat. <laughs> they would be Democratic all day long. And so you have the other thing is when you look at electoral colleges, it's divided up based on precincts, right? 
precincts, when we think of precincts, we think <laughs> jails, right? We yeah. think law enforcement, right? But precincts, districts. Mm-hmm. Where do how do black people normally live? They live in communities. Mm-hmm. That's why we know them as black communities, right? right? So if you have blacks living in a community, but they don't control anything in that community, when we talk about segregation, yeah. one of the biggest forms of segregation is having black people live in a community yeah. where they don't no control, control anything in that community. Mm-hmm. Where the electoral college gives you control of that community, saying that if your community all vote a specific way, then your community can be a part of the electoral college that determines the election. Right. So I think this is important because this goes back to the mindset and the level of hatred that we see in cases like Jimmy Lee Jackson. Right. Of the, these are the people that are making the laws. These are the people that are enforcing them. These are the people that are trying to hold us in that place where they've always put us as black Americans. So I think this case, like I said before, is huge in helping understand how black America is viewed by white America. Absolutely. No, I, I know you can't wait to respond. I want to... I think a lot of people, when they hear or see clips of this podcast, they may feel like we're anti-white because we talk about when we say white America and those things. That's not what we mean. <laughs> we're talk. This podcast is about the black perspective. That's right. right? We, we've always heard the white perspective in school. You could turn on the news. We, uh, you guys aren't uh, shy about talking about your patriotic views. Right. This is the viewpoint of at the African-American mind. Again, let's just go back to what we said on episode one, episode two. We're not here to be right. right. You can disagree with us. We're telling you the the mindset and the perspective of black people on how we view things and why we view things. Because when we talk about this history and this precedent, it's been set that we have to look at this, right? We have to be able to understand this. So when you hear us talk about law enforcement, I wear a badge. I don't I don't have things against law enforcement, but I do have to criticize the history of law enforcement in this country. Because, again, when we talk about what happened to Jimmy Lee, we're talking about troopers Mm -hmm. that went out intact protesters. This is the police. These aren't citizens. These aren't the KKK. Well, they probably they may work, right. but right. these are people in police uniforms who authorize these type of things. So when you look at the relationship between African-Americans and the police, it's not good. Not because of black people. You can say well, you guys commit crimes and they have to do this. No, 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 no. We understand we commit crimes. So do every other race. That's right. But the communication and the understanding of law enforcement to the African-American community is off because we don't understand what your intentions are. We don't understand what it is that you want from us when we do follow the laws. The, again, that's why we talk about the unlawful assembly. There was right. nothing unlawful about this assembly. So when we protest and we march in peace and you still beat us, then why the hell we wouldn't riot? That's right. Because you don't give us any um, any outlook on what it is that you expect and want from us to be able to create change. So for the police to do this, it creates that precedent. So why do you, why always bring race in? You see every situation that happened. If a little black kid is killed, if an African-American is killed, if something happens, the first day people post, please don't make this about race. Please don't make this about race. <laughs> from the African-American perspective, it's always about we race. have to consider the fact 
that right. is about race because there is a history and there's a precedent that has been, has set. been set. The same way the judge look at the precedent and say, I have to go back and look at this case just because it may be similar. That is the same way that us African-Americans have to feel in this country when it comes to law enforcement or what comes with pe- a, a white person killing a black person. We have to see, is this racially motivated? Right. Because there is a history there and there's a precedent that has been set. So when you, from the, from the beginning, you say, this is not about race. All right, maybe it's not. Maybe Ahmaud Arbery may have been in there and he might have been stellar. But the more and more we found out about that case, about the more we found out it was about race. Because yeah, there were a lot of right. white people that went in that house. Right. Right. Too, as it was yeah. built, the more and more we dug into those three men, the more we found out it was about race. The more we found out about that case, they say, oh, the prosecution, what they doing? Why are they covering this up? That's right. The more we found out it's about race. So we have to begin to look at it because if we don't, then we will never understand the racial motivation that creates the hate crime that we're talking about right. to get some of these things prosecuted because we know the states especially in the south are not going to prosecute because they're going to say it's not about race let's, let's it's not about race they say immaterial was it about race you know what i mean so everything is not about race to you but how can you tell me when you don't have to deal with racism on a regular basis i can tell you if it's about race or not that's right right so that is the reason why we talk about these precedents being set. That's the reason why this podcast talks about what it talks about. We're not anti-white. We're trying to help people who are anti-black understand the perspective of, pe- of black people. We're okay. trying to help people who who love black people and say, well, I'm not like that. Okay, let me uh, let, let you into the mindset of why we think this way because there's a precedent been set. That's right. You, they, they can't walk in our shoes. But right. what we can do is we can show you the movie. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to show you the movie, right? So you can see how it is from the eyes of a black man Mm -hmm. or a black woman, just a black American. So you can see the racist ways, not just other people. And this this is the thing that I think people don't understand. We're not just talking about the people. We're talking about the system. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the government. We're talking about the country as a whole. You want to say that I'm a certain thing because I don't conform to your ways. Mm-hmm. So because I don't salute the flag, I never salute the flag. That's never going to happen. Right. But I'm not anti-American. But, break that down for for a second because that's one of those things we talk about. Let's uh, just let's uh, just continue to let us I'm into the mindset. I'm just going to be 100% honest. Before you start, I remember I remember you uh we was at a basketball game and you asked us, you know, why do y'all remove your hat for the national anthem? You just wanted our perspective. That's right. And then you told us why you didn't remove yours. So Absolutely. I, I think about something that, that I heard Muhammad Ali say one time. And then I thought about the things that I actually saw myself. Muhammad Ali said, why would I stand up for a country that won't even stand up for me? Mm-hmm. Right? But I thought about the way that the Vietnam vets were treated when they came back. Mm-hmm. Mainly the black ones the way they were spat on, the way that they were treated at just at the airport. Mm-hmm. You had 18, 19-year-old kids who only knew one thing, mm-hmm. how to kill, come back to a country that they thought would love them, mm-hmm. and then they did not. For the white soldiers that experienced that, they got to feel what it felt like to be a black man for a little while because that's how we're treated all the time. I think about Joe Lewis, who went to Germany and fought a fight, not just for America, but for black America, 
only to be sent back and be treated like a black man again, mm -hmm. the same way he was before he went over and beat smelling, mm -hmm. you know? So I just think about the fact that you want me to stand up for that? You want me to stand up for a, a country that on national TV, we watch cops beat Rodney King, mm -hmm. take a break and go back and beat his ass some more mm -hmm. on national TV. You want me to stand up for that? Is that what you want me to stand up and salute a damn flag for? Mm -hmm. Not going to happen. Now, and just to be clear, that has nothing to do with. Has nothing to do with the military. My dad served in the military. Thank you. Thank you. My oldest brother served in the military. Thank you. My nephew served in the military. Mm -hmm. Has nothing to do with the military mm -hmm. whatsoever. Has nothing to do. Here's the thing. Do I think America is a bully country? Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. But if I had to live in a country, I want to live in a country that's They're the bully. bully. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Do I do I do I do I really believe that we are a bully? Yes, I do believe that we are a bully country. Do I think some of the things that we do as a country is necessary? Yes. Do I agree with everything that we do? No. I'm not anti-American. I'm anti-American way of thinking. Yeah. That's what I am. I'm and, and it, it applies to me too. Right. You wanna know how many pair of shoes I got in my closet? I can't begin to tell you. Right. Right? Why? Why do I have so many shoes? Right. Why do I have so many hats? Because I can. That's a part of being selfish. Right. That's a part of being greedy. That's anti-American. Mm -hmm. When I say that, right? But to do that, I'm American, mm -hmm. right? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you want me to be American. That's what you want me to be. I am. Right. Why? Because I was born here and I live here. Right. All that other shit doesn't matter to me. Right. Right. If you told me, Jerome, you need to go suit up today, we need every available man for mm -hmm. the war. I'm going to be like everybody else. The kids got ballet. Somebody <laughs> got to take them. Right? Somebody got to take them. So would I fight for this country if I really had to? Maybe. Would I fight for black America if I had to? Absolutely. Where you want me to sign up? Right. Am I against white people? Hell no. Right. How can I hate white people without hating myself? Right. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this. I'm not standing up for a national anthem. I'm not saluting a damn flag. First of all, the only thing I pledge allegiance to is God. Mm -hmm. And you can call him whatever you want to. Mm -hmm. But that's the only thing I'm pledging allegiance mm -hmm. to. I ain't pledging allegiance to no damn country that don't give a shit about me. Mm -hmm. That won't happen. Mm -hmm. So when I go to a basketball game, if somebody say, Jerome, are you going to stand up? I'm going to give you one thing. Right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think thank you for clarifying that because a lot of people don't understand that perspective and they just think it's about disrespecting the soldiers when the person who who was doing it on the football field clearly stated that he wasn't disrespecting the soldiers. But that just come from the American way of thinking of the old ways that we're going to tell you what it means instead of listening to you and try to understand why you're doing it that way. Even the soldier said we fought for him to kneel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. what you fought for. But, you know, we have that that anti-american american type of concept that that's all people don't understand that's going to change wherever you go mm -hmm. in america because there is no american way you have different groups of people in america that created their own way so there you can't say people are anti-american because they don't do this or they don't do that or they don't believe in gun rights or they don't believe in those such things that's the reason why a lot of people don't believe in it because of those people who stood for those things weren't necessarily 
to the liking of of other Americans, right. right? So when you look at of America, you know Spanish America, Black America, Korean America, uh, whatever the case you want to do, they all have different perspectives of America, but that does not make them less of American than you. That's right, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. They think the like the make America great again. That, that thing hurts because there are so many other Americans to mm-hmm. try to figure out what time period are that's, you talking about? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because for the other Americans, for the Asian American, mm-hmm. for the African American, for the Native American, that statement can be so disrespectful if you don't clarify what that means. That's right. You know what I mean? Because they're thinking, when was it great for them? Exactly. Right. When was it great? Because it's, America, it's probably the greatest for us right now. America right. isn't just white America. And there's so many white people who don't understand or even want to concede to that, right? That's right. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back and wrap up. And we are back. Go to YouTube, type in Mighty Motivation Network. Go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective. Um, and we're going to close this up and wrap this up. But just looking at an overview of everything that we talked about, because we understand what Jimmy Lee Jackson's death did. It sparked the, the march in Selma, uh, the first march in Selma, which ended up being Bloody Sunday, where those protesters was again met by um, police beatings. And then, because again, we have to begin to put things into perspective that the 1964 Civil Rights Act passed, which pissed off a lot of people in the South. So this was one of the things that, Again, like we talked with the Emmett Till case, how the desegregation of schools and those type of things ignited a lot of violence towards black people. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 did the exact same thing. Um, But what Bloody Sunday did was it put the civil rights movement at the again at the at the center of attention internationally, the same way Emmett Till's case did. Um, it put it at the center of attention because even white people was like, all right, they, we going too far. Can you know I, what I mean? Can, can, can we throw George Floyd in there with that as well or no? In modern day? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There, 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 was, a, there was a lot of white people. That, that, you, we hate that it has to happen with the death, right? right? That it put things into perspective for white people to say, um, okay, this is what this is what they mean when they talk about police brutality. Mm-hmm. The Rodney King, this is what they mean right. when they talk about police brutality. So when you talk about, you know, a lot of officers hate the fact that they got to wear a body cam. Well, uh, we were talking about that in school uh, this past week because I was at the academy. The body cam can help you or it can hurt you. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, that's mm-hmm. what it's going to hurt you. Right. So if you have a problem with the body cam, it's because you're probably doing something that you ain't supposed to be doing. So those cameras, uh, people pulling out their cell phones and recording, which they're trying to take away from us, is because they want to keep this stuff from going out to the public and allowing not black people to be outraged because we're going to be outraged no matter what. That's right. (laughs) Allowing those other races, the the white people, um, to see this and say, okay, now we understand. Because the more white people you will get to agree with black people, the more white supremacy doesn't have the power that they think they have. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I'll add one more thing to that is that something a lot of people don't think about. And, and this is something, again, that Malcolm X wanted is he wanted international uh, uh, involvement regarding mm-hmm. civil rights and the treatment of black people. And here's why. What's going on right now in in Ukraine with Russia? People say, well, why can't the United States 
just go over there and take care of it. <laughs> we can't. As a member of NATO, you can't. Mm-hmm. And Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Now, here's, here's an important part. So people say, well, why aren't they a part of NATO? Well, if you read the guidelines for qualification to be in NATO, one of them is treatment of people in your country. How does that country treat people? Especially people who may be of a certain race or what have you. <laughs> so when you talk about the United States and some of the things that they allowed us to do yeah. is not because they agree with the things that they wrote in the Constitution, but because of the guidelines that's being enforced by the international mm-hmm. world, like NATO. <laughs> So for the people to think that America has changed, if you go back and you look at previous podcasts, the one thing that we know is consistent with this country is money. Facts. Everything revolves around money. money. You don't get involved the lessons about money. You can't be power without money, right? You 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 can't be in power without money. Money mm-hmm. without having that support from NATO. Would America be that bully country that mm-hmm. we talk about? No. So, again, we talk about 1965 and a whole lot changed. Absolutely. Every time somebody bring up NATO, I think of Bernie Mac on head of state. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, NATO. I don't talk about people behind their back. <laughs> Do you know who NATO drinkers is? <laughs> All right, you don't know no NATO. I don't know no NATO. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, and when we talk about these civil rights criminal cases, because again, history doesn't repeat itself, but it dang sure rhymes. So when, again, I can't get away with talking about that precedent that has been set that every time a young black man is killed, every time, you know, that we protest or, or we stand up and we speak out and we try to get shut down by uh, different people of this country, we talk about that African-American perspective of what did that put us back into, right? You know, we always talk about how if some if a black person did something that set black people back 400 years, mm-hmm. the same thing happens when something's done to black people mm-hmm. that sets our mindset mm-hmm. back to the 60s. It sets our mindset back to the 1800s. And people feel like that we're so far removed from these things, we're but we're not. We're yeah. not these people. Some of these people are still alive, right? So we, and if they're still alive, that means some of the people who attacked them are still alive, right? So when we look at that precedent that has been set, that's been set, has been passed on from generation to generation, we don't just pass on money, we don't just pass on wealth, we don't just pass on things, we pass on our beliefs and our habits that are taught in home. And some of those things have been passed down to a lot of people. I admit, there's some white people who may not even know that they have racist views. That's right. Because you think it's normal. Because it's been taught in your household. But it's not until you, like, I've had a conversation with a guy. He was he was telling me a story. And he telling me the story, he quoted nigga. That somebody said nigga. And he quoted it. I had to tell him, don't do that. He's like, well, I'm not saying it to you. I'm, I'm quoting. No, 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 no. I understand. Don't say it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so now you understand that even when you quote it, you can't say it. Don't say it. That's right. You know, if you listen to the music and they don't happen say to say it, don't say it. Blank, blank that part out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Say something else. 
But you have to begin to tell these people that's what this podcast is for. That's right. I can't talk about that enough. If you don't understand the perspective, then that is the main reason why you need to listen to understand. That's right. Because it's the reason why we think the way that we think. Absolutely. You know, people always say, you know, if we can't use the word nigga, why can't why wash your jaw? Because you used it for a different reason. Mm-hmm. As right. Ice Cube said, we took the word and made it beautiful, but it don't apply to you. That's right. right. If I call you, if I call Shaquan my nigga, that's my brother. That's, that's what it right. means. Absolutely. Don't you call me a nigga because I'm going to go back to that president. I'm going to go back to that president on what you mean, bro. What you mean? And, and, and that's that's what this podcast is about. Absolutely. Any closing remarks? Um, I do want to say uh, Jimmy Lee's grandfather was able to vote for the first time. At 84 years old. So Mm -hmm. if you look at everything that, that, you know, what Jimmy was denied, I mean, he was denied twice. And I'm sure, I'm sure Jimmy Lee's grandfather would have rather have been the other way around. Right. And that's just the way black people think, Mm -hmm. you know, he would have rather it been him that died and Jimmy Lee being able to vote. Right. Absolutely. So when, because you hear it all the time, black people say, you know, my vote don't count. I'm not voting. You know, think about what, what Jimmy Lee had to go through. Mm-hmm. One person went through that. His grandfather got the vote for the first time at 84 years mm-hmm. old. And and so many others went through that same thing and met that same fate mm-hmm. just to be able to vote, just to be able to register the vote. Died so be, you could vote. Absolutely. So, uh, and keep in perspective, that's one of the things that they want to take away from you mm-hmm. is your right to vote. Mm-hmm. If you watch the news every day as this war is going on, a year ago when they gave you Juneteenth Day, mm-hmm. what they were trying to do is pass some bills to predominantly affect black people's rights to vote. Mm-hmm. So pay attention because this is what they want to stop. You even have some some governors and some senators right now saying today that they don't think everybody should have the right to vote. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't know the politics, if you don't know what you're voting on, you shouldn't have the right to vote. And if. If we all know who that everybody is. Absolutely. Black people. And that's not stated in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, pay attention to what's going on, because as these things happen, they're going to give you something to make you feel good. But behind the scenes, they're going to be doing something else. So the day that they gave you Juneteenth Day, that same day, they were they submitted over 400 bills of what we call voter suppression. Absolutely. And, and me being black, once they take voting from us, I already know what we're going to say. Well, why can't we vote? Right. That's right. You got to protect it while you have it. Yep. And you do that by using it. Right. Absolutely. Um, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. I promise it ain't going to be a month and a half before we come out with the next episode. <laughs> but we love y'all. Love, peace, and happiness.